Welcome to Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. Welcome, Talk Tuners. Welcome to the show where we share stories and memories of the music that has shaped our lives. I'm Stephanie Myers. Hey, y'all. Stephanie Pena here. So happy to have you back. So happy to have you back, as always, Talk Tuners. And I know we're happy right now, Stephanie, both you and I, about some big news from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Some cool developments. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. So Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, this year's inductees, really great, really great um, artists that were inducted. But one that I just want to bring up is one of my favorite artists of all time. And I still haven't been able to see her live. God. Anyway, so close. So I haven't gotten there. But I'm talking about the one and only Missy Misdemeanor Elliott. Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so, so good, man. She is she's just in a league of her own and uh talk tuners in case y'all do not know this she is the first female rapper to be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and i got a little bit of a snippet of her induction which was done by queen latifah and that alone is amazing um and they are longtime friends and i obviously you know queen latifah is one of the pioneers of women in hip-hop and i can only imagine how much that meant to to missy to get that intro by her uh, man. And then, you know, you could just feel, you know, the excitement and the realness in her acceptance speech. Um, she was definitely on, like on the verge of tears. You could, you could hear that. I don't know stuff. Have you seen the the clip yet? So great. <clears throat> you know, there's been a lot of buzz of course around this. It's a big deal. First female rapper being inducted in rock and roll hall of fame. There was a segment on good morning America and she was interviewing with Robert, uh, Robin Roberts. And she told Robin, she's like, Hey, I always knew I was going to be a superstar. I've been saying this since I was a kid. And how how fucking cool is that, right? Like, man, I mean, but still very humble. Like, yeah, like, but this this was her dream, man. This was her dream, and she is living it. She is living her dream, and that is just so badass on so many levels. And she's smart as fuck. She she's a doctorate. I know she went back to school. She got her master's, got a doctorate. Missy is just the bomb. Anyway, but her performance, of course, she had to do a performance. A plus. And, uh, you know, there have been times where she just says that she thinks she's on another planet that she, uh, so she kind of has like that Daft Punk feel like she's a robot. She's in the future. And you always see that. I mean, you know, you see that in, in her videos and her style, very futuristic. And she brought that type of energy into her performance, Rock Roll Hall of Fame. She took us to another planet and then brought us back. And I am just, uh, so happy, so happy for her. She's so awesome. She's so cool. And the fact that she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it's amazing, right? And it's as it should be. And it's such a long overdue induction um, yep. for her and for others genre-wise. Uh, you know, and I just keep thinking about, and you probably heard about this, Stephanie, but it was um, in 2016 when Steve Miller from the Steve Miller Band, he said the very same thing. You know, you can't, first of all, you can't turn on the classic rock station without hearing Steve Miller. Like that's how ubiquitous this guy is. And he was inducted in 2016 and he took the opportunity during his induction speech basically to say, hey, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where are the women and where are the non-white artists? And I did not was, know that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and he was like, this is, this hall is kind of bullshit. And at that point, there were 14% women in mm-hmm. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which is, it doesn't make any sense because you think about the contributions. It's just yeah, completely it just crazy. Doesn't. And he, yeah, and he basically said, hey, Rock and Roll Hall, you need to induct different folks and not just people who look like me. 
Um, yeah. And so yeah. it was kind of kind of like he uh, foresaw everything else. And then if folks have heard what happened with John Winter, founder of Rolling Stone, he's a board member of the Rock Hall, got rightfully creamed this year for some crazy ass comments. I'm not even going to repeat them, but it was very much in line um, mm-hmm. with everything that's been said about him and the criticisms of the Rock Hall. So anyway, the fact that this finally is happening in this way to me is really special. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I echo that. That's awesome. And yeah, hey guys, and also something that is even uh, more special for Missy Elliott and the genre that she represents of hip hop, this year is the 50 year anniversary of hip hop. And um, she does mention that as well is that, you know, since it is the 50th anniversary means so much more to her. And there is a Netflix documentary that I want to turn you guys over to. It's called Ladies First, which is taken off the song, Queen Latifah's song um, back in the 90s. And it's called Ladies First, a story of women in hip hop. And this documentary is basically commentary of, the, of course, the women and their contributions. So you'll get commentary, of course, from Queen Latifah, MC Light, Yo-Yo, Roxanne, Shantae, um, and then, then modern, you know, more modern hip hop uh, artists like Saweetie. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's just such a very, very awesome, awesome. And we're almost like towards the end of the year. Right. So anyway, my, my heart is just singing right now. And there are other artists that were inducted like Rage Against the Machine, which is a band of color. And they are a band, uh, that is, uh, mixes metal and rap, which are my two favorite uh, genres and it was really cool to see their induction by Ice T who is actually Ice T being a pioneer of hip hop and also being the pioneer to actually fuse rock and roll and hip and hip hop together so pretty badass anyway and uh, you know yeah, I can keep going on and on about that but congratulations to Missy Elliott and uh, let's get into today's topic y'all so today we are talking about a very very big band I don't know of anyone who doesn't like this song or has never heard it or doesn't know who these people are, because they are amazing. And we're talking about the one, the only, the White Stripes and their 2003 smash Seven Nation Army. Some great music out of Detroit. And I know we've talked about different great music out of Detroit here on this show. So it all begins and ends with Jack White, of 
course. Uh, he's a very prolific songwriter and musician, which we will get into the depths of that. But he is the founder of the White Stripes. The band was founded in 1997 with his uh, quote unquote sister, Meg White. And that's an interesting little story, I thought. Talk tuners, if you might not know, um, or if you weren't around for this a little media blitz, Jack and Meg claimed to be brother and sister, and the media eventually discovered a marriage license. They were married in 1996, and they were divorced in 2000. And they, yeah, we're not brother and sister. They were married. They decided to start a band. And here's like a fun little known fact I thought, too, was the origin of the name actually came from Meg. Jack White was born John Anthony Gillis, and Meg was born Meg White, and he took her name. So the White Stripes were born from that. I thought that was a great origin story. Sounded like something out of a superhero Marvel story, really. So I thought that was pretty funny, and I feel like it's never talked about, right? Yeah, no, and even on that note, I did know that, and I love you brought it up. And so, yeah, we... Jack White and Meg are no longer married. Okay, cool. But Jack White, yes. So keeping the name, of course, is not going to change that. Don't mess up something if it's not, you know, don't fix something that ain't broken, right? Man's making millions. Let's do this. And, but the, I want to say what's really like great about this also is that he has children that bear her last name. I mean, it's his last name too, but it's just right. like, that's so awesome. So it's like, wait, dad, can we talk about the White family? No, our actual family are the Gills. Are yeah. The Gillis. We're going to go back to Detroit and go go hang out with, with Grandma Gillis. Oh, wait, but is our last name White? No. Yeah. But anyway, that's super cool. I don't know. Whatever. So not traditional, but that's the White Stripes, right? They're yeah. an experimental band. They always have been. So oh, wait, oh, it's just too cool. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. And them as a band, right? Like, to me, that's the funniest thing. Like to them as a band, it's them too out there, mm-hmm. but not a great show. They're fantastic to see alive. Um, but they went on hiatus in 2007. We'll get into that. Meg was afflicted with performance related anxiety. They returned to the stage really for one performance in 2009 um, for the final episode of Late Night with Conan O'Brien. So they had this trajectory. Um, they did a lot during that time. They influenced rock in some crazy ways. But yeah, that's how it happened. So just given a little primer for top tuners who might not uh, be aware of that little origin story. Yeah, it's, it's very special. I, I absolutely love it. But hey, they, uh, you know, and the cool thing is, too, is like, yeah, they're married and put aside their differences. And it's like, whatever. So much so. <laughs> that Meg moved on, found new love, and... Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. She married guitarist Jackson Smith. That's the son of the rock legend, Patti Smith, in 2009. Yeah. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. And that, at that point, that's when Jack decided I'm going to do a different side project. He's had a lot of them. He's members from Kills and Queens of the Stone Age, and he formed The Dead Weather um, and released Whorehound in 2009. Mm-hmm. I love the dead yeah. weather. I love the dead weather. Thought that was so cool. Got the chance to see them play in New York in an intimate venue. Great stage presence, but it's so funny because Jack's just so prolific. He's just putting out music and whatever, whatever form and whatever band, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And funny thing is talk tuners and stuff. I think we actually talked about this in another episode, but Megan, <laughs> Megan, Jack are just so cool. Again, bringing, you know, we're in love. We're not in love anymore, but we respect each other and we love our music. And hey, why don't you just get married in my backyard? So Meg married Jackson Smith in Jack White's backyard in Nashville. <laughs> the fuck? Like, that's just, I, that's wild. I got, I love their relationship. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could hang out with them for a day. All right. right. Teach me how to be, teach me how to be cool and different and uh, get outside social <laughs> norms. I love it. Right. Yeah. They're just like, all right. Yeah, we're fine. That's cool. That's what, that's what we do. But yeah, Jack White, man, he has, yeah, he's, uh, he's got his side projects. Um, I never got to see the dead weather. Uh, I would have liked to see the, the Rocketeers. Rock on tears. If I can even say that right. Rocketeers. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, it's not only just Dead Weather, right? All these solo albums, the rock and tours. And he's definitely been in seven different bands. So he's so prolific. It's hard for me to even keep track of everything that he's putting out. Uh, but he's incredible, right? Like he's Jack White. Every time I hear a new Jack White solo album, every time I turn around, first of all, there's a Jack White solo album. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> they're so good, right? Like he's just, he's really good at what he does. And uh, I'm just glad that he keeps putting out the, the music for us and it was really cool to see that kind of documented um in a great uh film that we'd recommend i would say yeah so in, back in 08 um there's a documentary called it might get loud and this is a documentary that explores uh, you know the careers of three rock gods well guitarist rock gods jimmy page the edge from u2 and Jack White. And the cool thing when they, in this film, uh, you know, is focusing on Jack White, he talks about his roots. And that's another cool thing about Jack is that he never forgets where he came from and he incorporates his upbringings into his style. Well, Jack came from a very large family of like nine siblings and he was the only musician and he grew up dirt poor and did what he needed to do. And there's a segment and just showing him build a guitar out of fucking wood and nails and look like some type of spool, some type of wire, hook that shit up to a fucking amp and just started playing, you know, Billy Bob guitar. And I'm like, that is dope. Like, you know, what the hell? So I'm like, so, so, so talented on another level. He got MacGyver about it. So nothing was taking this kid away from his <laughs> hopes and dreams of you know, rock and roll. Um, supposedly he had a drummer set, but you know, when he was growing up and man, homie dude made his own guitar out of a block of wood. The fuck? Anyway. So cool. So cool. <laughs> but you know, we're talking so much about Jack, but let's talk about Meg. Cause I just want to give some love to Meg. Cause yeah. Meg is an amazing, amazing artist. She is of course one of the backbones. This band is only two people. Yeah. You can't have Jack without Meg in the white stripes. You can't yeah. have Meg without Jack White, and you know, and not have the white stripes. They are it. They are it. And she's gotten so much shit. And you know, they, again, just out of sexism. You know, I mean, unfortunately, it, it is what it is. Call it out. It's the fucking truth. You know, yeah. there's one particular article that I came across. For this show, it was a Rolling Stone article in 2005, and Jack um, was actually asked 
if Meg's style of drumming was too limiting that he, you know, that that is her drumming. The reason why he can't take the song as far as he'd like to go. And I love this response. His response was no, I never thought, God, I wish Neil Parrott was in this band. <laughs> it's kind of funny when people critique hip hop, they're scared to open up for fear of being racist, but they're not scared to open up on female musicians out of pure sexism. Yeah, that's real. Thank you. Yeah, no, exactly. That is so real. That is so real. I love that. And then also in this article, um, you know, he also talks about, you know, the whole point of the white stripes that the band's beginning was supposed to be like the liberation of limiting yourself and experimental. And they absolutely are. So, and Meg is a big part of this. So Meg is a great, great, great drummer. And unfortunately they did end up breaking up in, in 2011. And, uh, you know, she was just done with the industry. You know, there, you know, she had some, she had some health issues in 2007 that they had to put off some, uh, some touring, but you know, 2011, there was a lot of different reasons and you'll read different articles saying, oh, it's because of her anxiety. Well, yeah, that was a contribution back in 07 and why she needed to take a break. But at the end of the day, both parties just said they just wanted to preserve what was beautiful and special about this music. And they just weren't on the same wavelength. It happens. So, you know, and Meg is very reserved and that's okay. She's private, but she's giving us the gift of her music. So if anyone's like, you know, putting herself out there, it's her (laughs) and anyone, anyone, you know, just because she wasn't there, you know, doing 5 million interviews and being in the limelight or whatever or wanted to be, doesn't mean that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a rock star and she is, she's absolutely is. And I got a lot of love for her. Tons of love. Yeah, totally. She's amazing. And I thought it was cool too, that the White Stripes hadn't put out music for several years, but that they actually made the point of saying in 2011, it's like, oh yeah, well, we are done. Just FYI, we'll just sum it up for you. Um, so not, <laughs> we don't always get that finality, right? As music fans, sometimes it's like, you never really know. It's like, oh, is my band going to get back together? What's going to happen? We're, like, mm. We're just letting you know, even though you haven't heard from us in a while, we're actually yeah. officially done. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think it's with, with White Stripes, though, is when they started coming out stuff, they had album after album. Like, they weren't yeah. playing. They yeah, were yeah. just like, boom, boom, boom. And as you mentioned earlier, it's like, you never, White, oh, Jack White has a new album out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Like, you can't keep up. And yeah. so I think, honestly, that's where, like, people are just like, oh, what the hell? But it's not, it's so common for bands yeah. to just take five years in between, you know, an album or so, but we just yeah. were spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, well, peace, actually. I don't want you guys waiting up for us. <laughs> yes, exactly. Iteration is done. <laughs> Dude, I oh God, I'm so sad I wasn't able to see them, but whatever. Yeah, you know, and it just makes me think how Jack continues to, of course, just keep his hands in these different various parts in the music business. I think uh, most top tuners know his record label, uh, Third Man Records. It's based out of Nashville and Detroit. It produces vinyl records, sells them from the stores and its offices. And Third Man Records has gone really out of their way to acquire all of these really cool titles, including reissues of old blues songs, Detroit garage bands, early Motown recordings. And then, of course, original records that Jack produced himself, Neil Young, Wanda Jackson, um, Karen Elson. That's Jack's second wife. They're divorced now. Um, And then he'll have concerts at the Nashville offices. Willie Nelson, Pearl Jam, Jerry Lee Lewis all these cool kids. So really 
you know, it's so nice to see somebody who's such a music fan continue in all these forms. Um, and he's an encyclopedic, you know, little resource for music too. And that's yeah. to me the most kind of interesting musician for me personally. Yeah. You know, and on that point, you know, back to that documentary, you can get a sense of just his appreciation and just who he is from that as well. So yeah, talk tuners, check that out. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And, you know, onto the, the song that we're here to discuss today too. I mean, the importance of seven nation army itself. So to your point, Pena, so prolific. This was from their fourth studio album, Elephant. It was released in 2003. And I don't even think we even need to say how ubiquitous this song is, right? And all the places it's shown up. And I know what you're thinking, talk tuners. You're thinking stadiums. We're gonna we're yep. gonna unpack that. We're gonna unpack that. What's interesting to me, just to set the table for this, is that seven note bass line, according to Upworthy, it's one of the most popular musical phrases in rock history. And we just played it, and I know you know it. But to me, wow, to have that transcend in that way, to take on a life of its own, that's incredible to me. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's become this arena anthem, right? It's become arena yep. sports anthem. It appears in audience chants. Um, the uh, name of the athlete is sung to the tune of the song's riff. Like, it is everywhere. And uh, I think that's become really cool. And Jack was asked by Conan O'Brien um, on his podcast, like, what do you think of this song that's now taken on a life of its own? And Jack, I really thought it's cool because he took a really long, big view of how he has shown up, right, in musical mm -hmm. history and just in pop culture in general. And he said, you know, the song's transcended my career. It's no longer my own. He said, it's not mine anymore. It becomes folk music when things like that happen. And the more people don't know where it came from, the happier I am. You know, the more ubiquitous it becomes, he said. I'm sure many people chanting the melody have no idea what the song is or where it came from or whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. It's amazing. I just, ah, I love that, right? It goes to like yep. this level of this level of folk music and becomes this classic that'll never be erased. And I just thought that was really cool. And just the way he views it too, right? How he views the way yeah. something he created is now out there in culture. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the song, I could, every time I think about Seven Nation Army, I think about the, uh, the lyric, I'm going to Wichita. Yeah. Oh, all right. Okay. I mean, I don't really know what the song's about. I didn't do any research on that, but I mean, to me, it just sounds like, Hey, I'm just like Seven Nation Army. Like I, from what I know of the song and the lyrics and the way I interpret them, it's basically just saying like, Hey, I just want to, I'm, I'm going back to a more simple life. That's what I get from it. Um, but, uh, you know, I bring up the Wichita line because it's, we're talking about Wichita, Kansas, right? That's what it refers to period. And, you know, Stephanie brought up, of course, yeah, it is a rock anthem. Now it didn't start in America though. So I'm sure a lot of talk tuners here are thinking, yep, I'm here every Sunday fun day. Cause I know I do even before this recording. I heard it because, you know, NFL plays, and I'm talking about football, American football. Uh, they play in London. So uh, I woke up this morning, literally, and then that was the first thing I heard when I turned on the TV. Was this, 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 <laughs> of course. This, I was like, damn. Anyway, so you ain't getting away from it. We're getting away from this at all. But it didn't start in America. It actually started in Europe. So, um, and soccer. Uh, the Belgium team club, uh, Club Bruges. I, know, I might be saying that totally wrong. Brug? 
I think that's their name. Yeah. Uh, Belgian team Brug are credited uh, with turning the song into the stadium song that we know and love. They were uh, playing a championship league match uh, against Milan in 2006. So three years after this song came out, um, this all came into fruition. And uh, yeah, and you know, we finally caught up. <laughs> Americans caught up, excuse me, catch on. And uh, yeah, so now it's just a part of every professional sport experience. Well, mainly for me, football. So that's when I hear it the most. I don't hear it in baseball. Baseball's a different animal, but we're talking about football. It did. It did. It took on this life of its own. And I think just rolled from that Belgian team, and then everybody took it on. And of course, the song itself, yeah, it's just like, okay, this is its own thing now. That's cool. Jack's cool with it. To your point about Wichita, Stephanie, he said in an interview, he's like, yeah, when I wrote that, I'd never been to Wichita. He's like, it's more the sentiment um, behind it. Top tuners is a mayor may not have said, like, all my, basically all my extended family lives within like an hour of Wichita. <laughs> um, so it's, right uh, it's kind of fun the first time I heard this song on the radio. Uh, be like, wow, all right, outside of Glenn Campbell's Wichita line, man. Your song <laughs> mentions Wichita. Um, I don't know anything about Wichita, so, I mean, at all. I've never been. <laughs> so, yeah, it was so cool. It's like, hey, man, Jack just made a song for the masses in ways he didn't even understand or could anticipate. And, yeah, it's just what I love about the song, but what I love about their music, right? It's what I love about their music. Yeah. And uh, just like, every time I think of the white stripes, I'm thinking like a deep cut that I like. So talk tuners who love the deep cuts, little acorns is my favorite and it's off the same album. And the reason why it's my favorite is talking about getting through life struggles, right? You know, I'm talking about stuff, but talking about the squirrel and the squirrels, like unpacking his acorns and, you know, getting ready for the winter. But there's a line in there. It says you, <laughs> your problems hide in your curls. And I'm like, that is it. I have curly hair y'all. Like, that's it. I thank you, Jack White, for that life, uh, you know, for letting me know that all my problems lie within my curls. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Mick. Thanks, Jack. Anyway, I love them so much. They're so good. All coming around. Exactly. And it was so special to me to be able to actually see them play. And I did get the chance to see them play. It was September 2005 in Coney Island. That's awesome. I love that we get to relive our memories on this show because these musical memories are so uh, precious to me and being able to see them, I'll never forget it. It was so cool. Um, I went with our friend Lucy and yes, we saw them in what I know to be your favorite place on the planet, Stephanie, uh, Coney Island. Yes, I'm fuming with with jealousy right now and rage. I had no idea. <laughs> Where the fuck was I? I don't oh know. my god, that's so cool. That's so great. Awesome, awesome. Well, tell me more because this is actually the first time I'm hearing about this. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so great. It was so cool. And talk tuners, if you haven't been, yeah, Coney Island's this very special place. We got to see them in the baseball park that was there then called Keyspan Park. And mm-hmm. so it was just really cool. I, um, you know, it just felt like a magical night. And I even found a Billboard magazine review of that night. And it also just talks about how special the vibe was. And just to be able to see them that night in the park with the ocean breeze, like coming right off into the stadium and how cool that was. And they were like, you know, this is a sports stadium. It's for music right now tonight. And the, the vibe in the muse is here. And that was so cool to be like, okay, other people experienced the real magic of that night too. Um, We, of course, played Seven Nation Army. It was in their encore set. Uh, 
they also had the hardest button to button in that encore set. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it was incredible. And if you just imagine again, you know, it's the two of them, it's the two of them up right. there just creating it's something bigger than them. Right. So yep. to me, that was just, I'll just never forget being able to, to see them in that context. Um, and to, you know, who knew at the time that it was like, it would be the only time I'd be able to actually see the white stripes themselves. Cause now they're not the white stripes anymore. My God, that's so awesome. I'm so beyond jealous, real big jealous, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know so all right, I talked to her. So I actually have a story <laughs> I'm going to share. So this, uh, back when I was living in Austin, I uh, was working the South by Southwest 2011 festival. Um, from a security aspect. So running logistics for different clubs, different uh, mini showcases or whatnot all around Austin. And Queens of the Stone Age were playing at what it, what was the La Zona Rosa. May that venue rest in peace. And I had to go and deliver some security equipment um, for the team. So I mosey on back to the, uh, I go to the venue and I have to, of course, I'm not going through the front door cause I'm part of the production. Uh, so I go through the back, I'm going through the back and it's dark, super dark, but, and then I have my hand full of different shit, walkies, shirts, different stuff. And I'm like, okay. And I'm already like, even though I'm like, I'm very professional and always have been like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going through a green room and I see all these famous people, you know, I'm not going to run and ask for their autograph. I'm working, they're doing their, you know, doing whatever. And, uh, I'm walking through and I'm going around the side curtain and I shit you not. I literally run into fucking Jack White. Like I literally ran into him I and it, it reminded me. <laughs> of Dirty Dancing, the movie from the 80s, when Jennifer Grey walks into whatever venue she is and she feels intimidated because there's all these cool people. She's asked to bring in some watermelons into this dance hall and uh, she she bumps into Patrick Swayze and just says, oh, I, I'm, I'm here just bringing watermelons. And I felt that moment. I didn't tell Jack, no. I didn't tell Jack I'm just here bringing walkies. But that's how I felt. And literally walk, run into him, like, you know, and, <laughs> and this is face to face. Okay. Also, he's trying to go back to the, back to the backstage and I'm going, trying to go into the actual venue and so cool, super nice. He's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, holy shit, this you fucking Jack White. <laughs> and I like almost turned as white as him. This motherfucker pale as shit. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, what the fuck? Fuck, he's so fucking white, y'all. He's pale as fuck. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, and I'm just like, holy shit. And I, I, I move along. I didn't do anything. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> love this story so much. I love that he was like not only nice about it, but apologetic to you, which is as it should be. Yeah. mental image right of you being like no, I, I carried a walkie-talkie be like you are the modern jennifer gray in the i am backstage situation and guess what she has curly hair there i do too. it all comes around problems in our curls <laughs> dude how special was that so and it was queens of the stone age queens of the stone age was actually already playing too so it was just like whoa 
here's Jack White. And then, bam, here's Josh Homie right in my face. And Lizana Rosa is a very intimate, very intimate venue, or was a very intimate venue. And I'm like, holy shit, oh, my God. Whoa, I love rock and roll. This is the best thing ever. And I'm like, oh, my God, God. God bless South by. This is so great. And, uh, (laughs) wow. Anyway, everyone got their equipment. Everything was fine. There was no casualties, no concussions. I'm good. Jack White is actually very tall because y'all, I'm pretty short. I am five foot five, you know, average, but that's still pretty short. And I felt like I literally like ran into like his like chest. I'm like, Oh shit. Like, Oh my God. (laughs) He had his little top hat on too, Stephanie. So I like made him look extra tall. Anyway, it was just my like- friend. You buried the lead. He had his top hat on when you ran into him. This is gets even better and better. <laughs> oh my god! But yes, and it was so dark. <laughs> it was so dark, and he's so fucking pale. I was like, oh my god, that's Jack. <laughs> oh Casper the friendly ghost, Jack White the friendly musician. In anyway. His top hat. In his top hat. So, yes, so that is my precious memory. Um, I wish I could have seen him play, but, you know, Jack, if you're listening, I thank you. It was great. Um, You know, you're a gentleman. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he he was not a douche. And, you know, you think rock stars, you know, they're larger than life. Like, get out of my way. No, he's a decent human man, human being. So, love it. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't, you know what? I mean, and on that note, Stephanie, like, I don't even think we can top that today. I don't think we can top that with that story. So, I mean, I'm just going to be thinking about that for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't, I'm just like, I'm super floored. That, that memory is just one of my favorites of of working in the industry. Good stuff. Good stuff. But I had a good time today, y'all. You know, but, you know, we're, holidays are, are here. So, we got to take our, our turn to have a little bit of a rest. Yeah, we're taking a tiny little break, Tough Tuners, but don't worry. We're going to have a special holiday episode for you. We're coming out the week of Christmas in December. We'll be back in the new year. Look for us in January and never fear. We will be right here. So <laughs> just want to say thank you for listening. Proud member of the Pantheon Network and, you know, you know the different places to find us, but we're going to tell you again. Yes, absolutely. So find us, find us, find us. We're on all the socials. We know you're on the socials. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. You're on TikTok. Guess what? You can find us at Stephanie's Talk Tunes. If you go to Twitter, aka X, Twitter forever, you'll go to Stephanie's Talk. Uh, Gmail. You know, it's one of you know. Let, let's uh, keep it old school, I guess. And uh, you know, so you're not going to send me snail mail. Just send me a mail. That's fine. Go to Gmail. Go to Stephanie's Talk Tunes at gmail.com. And easy shortcut. You just want to find everything that is Stephanie. Stephanie Talk Tunes. Just simply go to Stephanie's Talk And last but not least, thanks for all the love on Good Pods, y'all. We have been on the charts and consistently. And thank you so much for stopping by and rating us. Um, You know, if you're a first comer here to our podcast, please check us out on Good Pods as well and drop us a um, a nice review. And if you would be so kind, you know, even doing that on Apple Podcasts uh, would be fantastic. And we will definitely show that recognition and love here on the show. Um, We would we, we could, we, we're not doing this for us. We're doing, you know, we're doing this, uh, you know, to share our passion with folks like you that, that chat, you know, that come in and listen to these tops of podcasts. So I appreciate you guys a lot. This is Stephanie Pena and I'm out.
Stephanie Myers, out talk tuners, peace. We will see you for the holidays. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.